When I was about five years old, I lived in this little place called Jonesboro, Arkansas, okay? So if you hear my southern twang, it's because I grew up a little bit in the south. And so I had moved from Colorado, and I heard this very horrible news when I moved to Arkansas that it doesn't always snow on Christmas. And I thought this was so disturbing. Like, I don't understand. Like, if it's Christmas in Colorado, it usually snows. How I'd, Like, in Arkansas, it's very rare if it snows, but especially on Christmas, this was very rare. And then I learned some really horrible news that I had some friends that had never seen snow in real life. And I just thought, these poor, deprived little children have never seen snow in real life. Like, this is absolutely unacceptable. And I was, like, really distraught about it. And I remember talking to my mom, and she's like, well, Sarah, let's pray for snow on Christmas. And I'm like, that is exactly what we're going to do. We are going to pray for snow on Christmas. And I believed literally with every ounce of my little five-year-old being that it would snow on Christmas. Like, I just knew that God was going to do this for me. And he did. He totally did. It was a Christmas miracle. God allowed there to be snow. And it just like built my little five-year-old faith like, oh my gosh, God really does hear me. And he answered this prayer. And now there's less deprived children without snow on Christmas in Arkansas because of this prayer. And it was amazing. But that's not always how it works, right? And, and in my little 32 years of life, there have been some prayers that God hasn't quite answered exactly like that and how I hoped he would or I thought he would have. But, but how do we get that kind of faith? And that's what I want to talk about tonight. How can we have that faith to believe that God really is who he says he is and he's going to do what he says he's going to do? So of course, we're better to look than the Bible. And I want to take a look at a couple guys. Pastor Will mentioned them last week and you knew them last week as Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. This week, it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? So they were renamed, poor, poor guys renamed these really special names, but they were renamed because they were taken as captives in Babylon and they were given different names. And so we're going to look at three ways tonight that they showed us how to have incredible, great faith in God. So these guys were Israelites, like I said, they were God's chosen people, and they had been taken captive, and they lived in Babylon, they were in the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar, super fun one to say, King Nebuchadnezzar, okay? And they were selected as strong, healthy, good-looking men, and I quote, that is from the Bible, okay? And they were to be trained for three years so that they could be servants of the king, like they were going through this intense training in literature and whatever else you need to know to be a servant of the king at that time in Babylon. And so they're in this like really intense training and they decide, um, we're going to make the best of this. Okay. Like we're, we're going to make the best of this situation. And I'm just saying it's a little bit easier to do that when you're, you're in a group of three or more small groups. Everyone, let's do that, okay? Awesome, awesome. It's so much easier to do life with someone. So King Nebuchadnezzar, and for the love, can I just say King Neb? Because if I keep saying King Nebuchadnezzar, every time I need to say King Nebuchadnezzar, I'm gonna waste all my time saying King Nebuchadnezzar. <sighs> Thank you, okay. So King Neb, okay? This is, what we're, this is how we're doing it tonight. King Neb, he decides he's gonna make a ginormous golden statue and everyone's gonna have to bow down and worship. I don't know. I don't know why, but he makes this decree that if you do not bow down in worship when this music is played, then you are going to be thrown into a blazing furnace. And I just think that's a little extreme. 
if you ask me, that you're going to be thrown into a furnace if you don't do what he says. But this is his decree, and so you're going to be thrown into a blazing furnace. And um, I don't know if anyone else can maybe relate a little bit to this, that if we don't go along with the crowd, we feel like we might be thrown into a furnace. Maybe not one of fire, but a furnace of unpopularity or embarrassment or sticking out. I don't know, just me? Okay. So, so they had this choice here. They had a choice to honor God or honor man. And, and we face this. All of us face this choice every single day. Are we going to honor God? Are we going to honor those people around us that, that maybe aren't making the right choice? We all have that choice that we face every day. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were God's chosen people, and they loved God, and they knew that God was the one and only true God, and they knew that that God commanded, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only, and you may have no other idols before me. God was the one true God, and they knew this. So the music is played. Everyone else bows, and here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I just like so wonder what that looked like. Just do, do, do. everyone else bows, and here those three awkward guys are just not... Like, were they twiddling their thumbs or whistling? Like, what, what did that look like when everyone else is bowing and they chose not to? And my question tonight is how? How did they get to that place of like great faith and conviction that they were willing to face a blazing furnace so that they wouldn't compromise their faith in Jesus? How, how do we get to that great place? It's because they're in the Bible, right? Because people in the Bible are so much different than we are because they're in the Bible. Um, but what I think is super significant that I want each and every one of you to know is they were teenagers. The Bible says, plot twist, right? The Bible says they were young men in their youth, 13 to 18, somewhere in there, when they were chosen to be picked, to be trained. They were young men. And I say that because they believe that the enemy wants to tell all of you teenagers that you can't do anything because you're young, that he can't use you, that you can't stand up for your faith, that you can't have this bold faith. You're just an average person. You're not some famous person in the Bible, but that's a lie. God wants to use you if you will let him. So these teenage boys, okay, they were infiltrated in their culture, okay? They were immersed in this culture that didn't believe what they believed. Anyone else? Anyone go to high school with somebody that doesn't believe what they believe? Right, they're immersed in this culture that doesn't believe what they believe, but, but they weren't living separate from this world, okay? They, they weren't like hiding in a bunker, pretending that the world wasn't happening around them because they knew they couldn't live separate from a world that they were trying to save. You can't hide from something that you're trying to, to, to stand out. You can't reach someone when you're trying to hide from them, okay? So they weren't separate from the world, but they sure as heck weren't imitators of the world, right? They stuck out like sore thumbs. They weren't bowing worship to, to this golden statue. They weren't separate. They weren't imitators. They were right in the middle. They were infiltrated. They didn't look like the crowd. They were in the world, but they weren't of the world. And I believe that that is what God is calling all of us to be tonight. The Bible says in Romans 12 2, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. 
but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through the total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. I love this. This is the Passion Translation. I love that it says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of this culture. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego believed with all of their hearts that their faith in God was worth dying for. So, so how, do, how do we get to that place? So these guys, they decide we're not bowing. They don't bow, probably super awkward. And this makes a few people around them a little bit angry. It makes them a little bit angry enough that they're gonna go tell King Neb on them, okay? They're gonna tattle like a three-year-old and I just kind of imagine they're like throwing a fit, like, King Neb, um, these guys aren't doing what you said and just kind of like tattling like little kids, you know? Like I just imagine them like, stop look what they did not do what you said, okay? And this throws King Neb into quite a little fit, okay? I think the Bible actually says his face became distorted with rage. I'd be super curious to know what that looked like, what, what, how his face became distorted with rage. That's so interesting to me, okay? So he's like so angry. And so he demands that they come before him. And so they bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before the king. And he's like, all right, guys, like he knew that these were, these were wise teenagers. They were training to be in his kingdom. He's like, I'm gonna give you one more chance, but if you don't bow, I'm throwing you into this furnace. Like surely there's a miscommunication here because you understand your consequence here. And um, he kind of, in my opinion, gets a little cocky and he says, because if you refuse, who's gonna save you? What God is gonna save you from my power? Whoa, a <laughs> little bit cocky if you ask me. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response to the king is one of my very, very favorite parts in the entire Bible. And I want you to pay attention to how respectful these young men were to a king. Okay, They weren't going to be disrespectful to someone who was really in the wrong. They were still honoring God with their response to the king. And I love it. So listen to what they say here. In Daniel 3, 16 through 18, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into a blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Wow. Right? They were respectful in their answer to the king who was asking them to do something completely out of God's will. And they believed with all of their heart that that faith in God was worth dying for. And I think we all want to have that in us, right? On that day, when that day comes for us, and I think that day will come for every one of us. It might not look like a blazing furnace, but I believe it's going to come where our faith is tested. We want to have that kind of like courage and bravery in us. There's a saying, if you see someone at the top of a mountain, they didn't fall there, right? You don't fall up a mountain. You don't accidentally just end up on the top of a mountain. And some people might say, these guys, well, they're in the Bible, and so they're super close to God, so they're like on some kind of mountaintop. But it wasn't like they just landed there. Like, it takes pursuit to be on a mountaintop with God. It takes pursuit to have that kind of faith and guts to say, I'm going to face a blazing furnace for my God. 
And I wonder how many of us think, well, yeah, I, I think I would stand up for God in that situation. Like I would, I, I wouldn't bow and, and I would have that kind of gut and that kind of gumption to, to say, yeah, I'd die for God. But my question is, would you live for him? My question is, would you live for him tomorrow at school when, when there's somebody who's, who's alone at lunch and they need a friend or there's somebody who's offering you weed are you going to live for God? Are you going to take a stand and say, actually, no, that's, that's not who I'm going to be. Would you live for him now? So how did these guys get to such great faith? And I have three thoughts I want to share with you tonight. The first one, they were consistent in behavior. Long, long, long before the fire debacle happens in their life, they made some choices. They made small choices, little decisions every single day to be consistent in their behavior. So as a part of this training, um, the advisors told Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you need to follow the diet that, that we have for you. And they said, actually, respectfully, we can't. That goes against um, what God tells us. At that time, they weren't allowed to eat certain foods. And so they said, is it okay if we just have some vegetables and water instead of your delicacies and wine? That, that wouldn't have been easy, but they drew a line in the sand and the small things. I believe they pre-made their decisions. They pre-made their choices. They decided before anything else, God first. They decided before any of this happened, we're going to trust in him. We're going to trust it no matter what, that he is with us. And I believe we all need to be pre-making more choices. We all need to be pre-making choices that I'm not going to have sex with my boyfriend or girlfriend. I'm not going to go party. I'm not going to gossip. That's not going to be part of who I am. I'm not going to go to a movie that might entice me into temptation or open the door of fear to the enemy. But these are choices that we need to make ahead of time instead of in the moment when it's too late. Right? When you're in the theater and it's like, oh, I probably shouldn't be watching this. Or you're in that conversation with your friend and, and you really want to like chime in to gossip, but you know that it's wrong and it's not honoring to, to God or to your other friend. We have to decide more choices ahead of time. Here's the truth. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. You're setting yourself up for failure if you're like, I'm gonna go to this party and we'll see what happens. Like you have to pre-decide, I'm not drinking, I'm not gonna take part in that. You have to decide that beforehand. Something that, that was super important to Curtis and I, when we very first started dating, in the very beginning, we said we are not gonna have sex. We are not having sex before we get married. And I guarantee if we had not pre-decided that, we would have crossed that line. And thank God we didn't. Like that, that's such something that is so important to Curtis and I and something we would choose every day over and over again. It's the best decision we made, but we pre-decided. We didn't choose in the key of the moment. Ooh, we probably shouldn't. We pre-decided. So these guys were consistent in their behavior. And this leads to my next thought, is that they were courageous under pressure. They were consistent in behavior, which led to being courageous under pressure. When you're pre-making those choices, saying that I'm going to choose to trust God, I'm going to believe that he says he is who he is, you're going to be courageous. You're going to have that strength. You're going to have that gumption beforehand under pressure. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew who God was. They had access to the words of Isaiah 
that was written long before they were even born. It says in Isaiah 43, 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. How were they courageous under pressure? They knew what God said. They knew who God was. And these words are just as true for us today as they were for them thousands of years ago. These words are true for us. God is with us. That is literally one of God's name. His name is Emmanuel. It means Jesus is with us. God is with us. And they knew that. That's how you have that kind of faith that's worth living for and worth dying for. By believing that no matter what, he's going to be with me. So when push comes to shove, we, we might lose a friend because they don't believe in Jesus and we do, but we're not going to compromise our relationship with Christ because someone else is going to pull us down. When push comes to shove, we're, Jesus is going to be our trump card. We're going to say Jesus first. We trust you first. We're going to honor you first. We're going to pre-decide that we're going to trust him right now when it's like a fine day, when things are okay in your life. You're going to decide now that I'm going to trust him no matter what comes. Because if you don't decide that now, you might waver a little bit in your faith. So here's how the story ends. Daniel 3, 23 through 27, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely tied fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped in amazement and exclaimed, exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. wonder who that was. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. I'm sorry, did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, did their faith just uh, uh, like allow the king to call on the Most High God? Did it just help him realize who God was because their faith in God was so strong? All of a sudden, the king is acknowledging that actually God is the Most High God? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Well. They didn't even smell like it. The Bible talks about the men that had to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three of them died because the fire was so hot just trying to throw them in. And somehow, God, they weren't even smelling like smoke. And that leads to my third thought. They were consistent in behavior. They were courageous under pressure. And they were entirely convinced that God is faithful. They were entirely, fully, wholly, wholly convinced that he is faithful and God is faithful first. And, and let me just tell you something. If there's one thing I've learned about God in my 32 years of life, it's that he's faithful. God is so faithful. 
He's faithful to his promises. He's faithful to redeem us. He's faithful to save us. God is so faithful. And and that's how we have that kind of gut to say, even if he doesn't, I know he's still faithful. His ways are higher than mine. His thoughts are higher than mine. The Bible said he works all things together for the good of those who love him. And you know what? The truth is, if if they would have died in the fire, it would have been a win for them, right? It was a win-win for them either way because either they're meeting God or they're getting to show this great faith that they had in God. Either way, it was a win for them. God was still working it together for their good, for their benefit. That even if he doesn't, it doesn't make God less faithful. God isn't less faithful if he doesn't answer your prayer the way you want him to. Because God hears you and he sees you and he knows. He knows your prayers. He knows your hearts. He knows all of those things, but he also knows what's best for you. He knows that maybe some of those prayers aren't what you need. He is so faithful and we can trust him and we can have this kind of faith, trusting that he is faithful before we were ever faithful. God was faithful to us long before we decided that we were gonna follow him. God was faithful to us long before we ever chose to be faithful to him. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, and and it just like wrecks me every single time. It says in 2 Timothy 3.13, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. If we're unfaithful, he's still gonna be faithful. And this isn't a free pass. This isn't permission to be like, well, if I'm not faithful, I can do whatever I want. God's so good. No, no, no. That's not, that's not what this is. That's God acknowledging we're human and he knows we're going to mess up. He knows that and he still chooses to be faithful. He can't not be who he is. He is faithful. That is the character of God. He can't deny himself. He's forever faithful. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his command. He's faithful, fully, wholly, completely, entirely faithful to us. I love this verse in Psalm 105. It's the Passion Translation. You guys should check that out. It's super good. For the Lord is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you. So kind it will astound you. And he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. He's famous for it. He's famous for his faithfulness towards us. Everyone knows our God can be trusted for he keeps his promises to every generation. He promises to never forsake you, not for a moment. He promises to always be with you. He promises to be faithful to you in the midst of your trial, in the midst of whatever fiery furnace you might be facing that's testing your faith a little bit. He is saying, I will be faithful to you. You can trust me. He keeps his promise to every generation. 
When we have that kind of faithfulness written on like our hearts and our souls, we can have the faith to say that even if he doesn't, I know God is faithful to me. Even if he doesn't, even though I know he's able, even though I know he will, even though I know he can, even if he doesn't, I'm still going to trust him because I know that my God is faithful. We can be consistent in behavior. It's not too overwhelming. It's one day at a time. Maybe before tonight you haven't been super consistent in your behavior, but I want to encourage you tonight, you can make small steps. You can start now. You can draw a line in the sand and the small things, and you can become consistent in your behavior. You can become courageous under pressure. You can have that kind of faith and that boldness and that courage and that grit and that gumption, all those things that those guys had to respectfully stand before the king and say, no, 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 your majesty, we, we can't bow. We can't compromise our faith in God for your gold statue, right? And then we can be fully convinced that God is entirely faithful and he's faithful first he's faithful long before you or I show any kind of faithfulness to him but I believe that that faithfulness to us just causes a reaction a response in us to want to be faithful to him back if you just bow your heads with me I wonder if there's a furnace of some kind that you have in your life whether Whatever that testing might be, maybe it's divorce, maybe it's um, a, a friendship that's being tested, maybe, maybe there's someone that God is saying this person isn't for you, whether it's a friendship or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. What, what, what is that furnace that God is asking you to stand up and be bold and be courageous and be brave for him? You can do it. So God, I pray for every single one of these students that are here tonight, that they would learn to be consistent in their behavior. They would learn that they can be courageous under pressure and they can know that you are, they can be fully convinced that you are faithful. You're faithful first, you're faithful most, you're faithful always to a thousand generations. You're faithful to keep your promise that you are always with us. So God, I pray that every student would feel encouraged tonight, that you are with them, that you love them, that you see them, that you hear them, and you have big plans for them. You want them to be courageous. You want them to stand up for what matters most, and that is you. So Jesus, I pray that every student would leave empowered tonight, knowing that they can be faithful back to you. I pray that you bless them, that you protect them, and that they have an awesome week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.